This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy Sports lives here. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan and joining me tonight, Nick Ligatino. What's up, guys? And there is no Joe Saunders tonight. He had too much fat tire. And, uh, you know, it's passed out in his bed. So, In his race car bed. Yeah, his race car bed. <laughs> I can totally see that. Um, all right, so we're going to kick off tonight's show with some news and notes. We've got hurting stars. Mike Trout mm. thus far has avoided the DL, but received a cortisone shot in his wrist, and I think he's missed five straight games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he might as well be on the DL. Chris Bryant still on the DL, and the news is not great. Uh, he's not sure when he will be able to swing the bat. He was taking grounders the other day. Jose Altuve appears to still be having knee issues. Uh, George Springer, with the hit by pitch, suffered a thumb sprain and has hit the DL. And as we know, thumb injuries can be tricky. So of those four, who are you most concerned about? Um. All right, so for me, it's Chris Bryant. But thumb injuries – are one of those injuries that I am very, very scared of because they can knock you out for a long period of time and they linger. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about Bryant just because of what he's said as of late, which is he can't really swing a bat, which is a problem, um, and he hasn't swung a bat, and there is no timetable for him to swing a bat. So I don't know how much longer it's going to take for that, but even when he does start swinging, you know, he may – it may be another couple of weeks. So I think Bryant is the furthest away from returning. Um, and he's the one I'm most worried about. Yeah. I mean, I would echo you in, in that. I think they're all worth being concerned about to an extent. Um, you know, you, you specifically mentioned the thumb with Springer, but I, I agree with you with Bryant. I, I think he's clearly the one that you have to be the most worried about. He struggled all year with this injury. I mean, it's affected his, bottom line in terms of when he's played. Um, and, you know, like you said, he, he's not close to swinging a bat and he's been gone for such a period of time that it'll probably be a lengthier rehab stint for him once he does get back and is able to swing the bat because it's been so long. But even, and even before this, he's only had 11 home runs. Like the, the power exactly. already, it's, it's, a, it's, it's already been set. Yeah. It's affected him all year. And, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to get better because there's no surgery. So, I mean, all they're really doing is just resting and whatever rehab he's going through. But there might be an issue here where, you know, he comes back. Even if he comes back, he's not 100%. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Bryant's the one that you really have to be worried about. And, and, the, I, and, my, and the, Cubs are, the Cubs are crushing. So, like, it's in their best interest to rest them as long as possible to have them healthy for the playoffs. So, that's what may happen. You know, he may be out for a while. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the playoffs is an interesting point because the the one that I kind of wanted to bring up as my honorable mention is, is Mike Trout. And, you know, that's a wrist injury. And you mentioned a thumb injury being, you know, if a wrist injury is also one of those things that can really impact power, um, certainly impact the way a player swings the bat. And this is an issue that's not going away. I mean, the fact that he had to have a cortisone shot um, means that there's swelling in there, that there might be pain. Um, so, you know, you have to be concerned about that as well. And contrary to Bryant, Trout is on a team that's really got nothing to play for at this point. I mean, I know they're not technically out, but, you know, they would be a very, very long shot to creep into the playoffs at this point. So, I mean, if Trout suffers a setback at any point, it might be – you know, the Angels decide to shut him down to avoid making it worse. Yeah. So that's something you have to be conscientious of as well. Hey. Sorry. Um, so uh, let's move it along to are you throwing out offers for any of them, and which one is your favorite buy low? And I'll start this one off while your dog quiets down. <laughs> um, so I'm going to sound a little contradictory here, but I think Trout is the best buy low. Wow. Especially if you're making a – swing for the fence type play. And I have Springer second because I think he would cost the least of the three outside of Bryant. Um, so, I mean, Trout, you know, it's just one of those things where he's a very difficult player to get. You might be able to get him at a little bit of a discount at this point. And he's certainly the type that can give you six weeks of excellence and, you know, you can ride that to the top of the standings and or through the playoffs. Um, now, it's not without its risk, certainly, but I think he's the biggest difference maker of the group that we've talked about. So, Nick, you you somewhat were surprised that I said Trout. Well, no. You know what? Listen, I mean, you are definitely – when we the way we play is we definitely take shots. You're a little bit more risky with the injuries. I'm a little bit more risky with I'll trade – you know, anything for the guy I really want and and won't look back. As far as Trout goes, the issue is it's still Mike Trout, and the owner is going to want a ton. I wish we had Trout trades in front of us. I, I do. Know. I have a couple, actually. I'm really curious to hear that. But am I willing to trade them with this type of injury? Like, it's a cortisone shot. Uh, you know, it, I, I'm not risking it for Trout. I'm 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 – Probably buying Altuve um, just because, like, he's still going to – even if he plays through the knee, in- knee injury and it saps his stolen base totals, he's still going to hit for really high average, and he's still going to get you really good counting stats. Like, you could bank on it, and that injury sounds a little bit mo- less worrisome to me than the other three. Um, where Springer – like, now I'm at the point with, with Springer that – I don't think um, I don't think I'm gonna buy it anymore. Where this year and last year, when I had the I picked at the end of the first round, beginning of the second, all of a sudden I'm like, do I want to take the shot on this guy? Because I feel like he could go 30, 30 this year. I feel like he could go 35, 25. Now I don't know. I, I don't know if this is the type of player he is. I think he's just a, a 30 plus bomb. Uh, 10-ish, steel, decent average, great counting stat guy. Yep. And I think it is who he is at this point. That was my that was my opinion coming into the year. 
um, was where oh, I sort are. of came in on Springer, which see, was see, I had him this year. I was my I came in like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna do it this year. Yeah, and, no, I was I was already at the point where I said he's a great not elite fantasy player. He's thirty bombs, high single digit steals, two seventy five, two eighty with great counting stats at the top of great lineup. And again, that's all good stuff. Yeah. But there's an, I don't think there's another level beyond that for him. Yeah, and according to ADP, you look at you look at him and those numbers you just threw at me are Justin Upton clone who's going 30 picks later, so it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But Yeah. So Trout's Sorry. market. I've got two trades here. Yeah. So Trout for Paxton, Manaya, and Cody Bellinger. Well, I would honestly rather have Trout in that in that move. Yes, agreed. There's not enough star power. Although, even though I love Paxton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a context thing. I'm assuming that the team that's trading the two pitchers has sufficient depth to absorb that. But yeah, in a vacuum, I think I want Trout there. Uh, so the other deal I have is Trout and Roberto Ozuna for Paul Goldschmidt and Garrett Cole. Trout and Ozuna. For, well, it's Goldschmidt and Cole. I'm taking Goldschmidt and Cole. Yeah, I think I'm taking Goldschmidt and Cole as well. Give me the clean bill of health and one of the best pitchers in baseball who's still doing it at this point. He's Agreed. Not, he's not wearing down. Agreed. I, I, th- I think so. So I also got some Springer trades here, um, if you want to hear them. Sure. So got Springer and Segura for Trevor Bauer. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hold on to Springer and Segura. Yeah, I want the two bats. And Springer and Keuchel for Sale and Rizzo. No, I want Sale and Rizzo. Yeah, I want Sale and Rizzo, definitely. Yeah, I think Springer's value is kind of all over the place. You have any other trades for the other guys? No, that's it. Those are the only two I had. Like, like uh, the, the trout, the trout trade that popped into my head right away. Like when you name the pitchers, I'm like, all right. When you trade trout, it's gotta be Scherzer, Sale, or like one of the uh, Nola. It's gotta be one of these top guys. Degrom. Degrom. Yeah, Odin I agree. Odin. Paxton's like a step below that level. Yeah. Like he's the next next level of guys. I'd probably put Nola with Paxton, but. Yeah, but we're 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 on the same plane, you know. Like, would you do? Would you trade Trout for Nola, Chris Davis with the K? For that for that duo, Nola, Chris Davis with the K. I would need a little more. Okay, a little sweetener. Okay. Yeah, we need a little sweetener, maybe a closer or something like Felipe that. Felipe Vasquez. Yeah, I think with the wrist injury, I can get on board with that. Okay. What about you? I. I would literally trade anyone in baseball. I would not trade anyone in baseball for Chris Davis. Chris Davis is on <laughs> He's the greatest. All right, so we got some hurting pitchers. Lance McCullers deal with an elbow injury. Uh, the Astros report they're going to go to a four-man rotation for a little while, but this is a long-term issue. Do you like Peacock, McHugh, or someone else to take their spot um, in the rotation? I think it'll be Peacock um, <clears throat> because – I mean, McHugh, when, when, when Peacock has had these spot starts every now and then, especially last year, he's really succeeded. Um, as, as far as McHugh, 
he's been more inconsistent as a starter role, and he's really exceeded like greatly. Yeah, he's been one of the best relief pitchers. So I'm and Peacock is what he is. I mean, they brought him. They've been using him as this guy. Continue using him as this guy. Throw him in as a starter. Stretch him out. Keep McHugh in the pen, and uh, and that's the way you want to go. No. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I mean, I'm a big fan of Colin McHugh overall as a player. I also like Peacock. But I, I think the Astros have a real asset with McHugh in the pen at this point. And it's not that Peacock isn't good in that role. It's just I think McHugh has been better. So keep the guy that's been better in the bullpen and uh, throw Peacock out there and let him throw four four or five innings and bring in McHugh for two. And that's how you get through this until McCullers comes back, if he comes back. It's, it's quite a luxury for them to have that kind of yeah, starting. Yeah. And plus, they've got this kid, Josh James, that's just completely tearing up the yeah. minors this year. Yeah. Uh, we would be a, a remiss not to mention him. Okay, a couple of other pitchers. Tyler Skaggs, abductor strain, hitting the DL. Um, he There is a chance he will be back this weekend. Alex Wood also to the DL with an abductor strain. So we've got reliable starters at a time where there just aren't many hitting the DL. Who are you looking to as replacements outside of the potential Astros stashes that we already discussed? So I'm, I'm going to mention one guy, and I'm going to give you one guess as to who it is. Uh, Trevor Richards. Yeah, very good. Yeah, he's um, on my list. So, yeah, uh, this guy hasn't been spoken about much. Right now he's only 13% owned, and um, he's been really good. So I've watched him closely his last two starts. Tonight <clears throat> he, he faced the, uh, the Cardinals. And he absolutely crushed. I mean, he gave up some runs, but the whip was, I think he gave up maybe four hits in six innings. He, I think he just missed a quality start. Um, but he looked really sharp again tonight. So far, what I've seen from him is really good control and command and the ability to paint the corners. Uh, so location-wise, he's money. And the stuff, uh, what he lacks in velo, he really makes up in command. I roll with him right now confidently. I benched him tonight because I needed to see like one more good start before I can put him into the circle of trust. Um, but over the last month, he's got a 0.76 ERA, a 0.89 whip, and a 3.57 K to walk, 25 Ks in 23 innings. So he's rolling right now. Those are impressive numbers. I hadn't realized that he was like – was oh, he's rolling. Rolling. And he but, plays in Miami. He's got the ballpark. What did you make of my comp that I gave you the other day of Chase Anderson – um, I think Trevor has got like borderline elite command and control from what I've seen. And the stuff is good. Like he's got good breaking stuff. I think he's got definitely got a, he's a couple of steps better than Chase Anderson, but Chase has been really good lately. No. Yeah. Chase has been really good lately. I think the VLO has come back a little bit for him. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I remember checking, and I think that's what I saw um, was that the velo was back up. The reason why I threw out that Chase Anderson comp was just I know they've both got outstanding change-ups, and that's really what their arsenal revolves around. And, I mean, they had comparable velocity. Uh, you know, I mean, Richards is a guy that throws 91-92. That's where Anderson's been for most of his career up until last year. Yeah. Um, so – but, I mean, he's in the right ballpark, Richards is. Yeah. So, I mean, Anderson was in Arizona when Arizona was <clears throat> a definite hitter's park, and then he moved to Milwaukee, which is one of the best hitter's parks in baseball as well. Richards gets to play in Miami, so 
even if he is the quote unquote bad version of Chase Anderson, he's in the right park for it. I don't know if you could call him the bad version of Chase Anderson, but the, the changeup might be better. He gets a 24% swinging strike rate. The problem is his four seamer is like ridiculous. Yeah, they're both bad fastball guys with good yeah. changeups. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was where I got the comp from. So, in addition to Richards, a couple of guys that I saw, um, Kyle Gibson, 47%. Keep touting him. Had a rough start against Cleveland this week, but I'm not concerned. Stuff's still very, very good. Joe Musgrove at 26%. I should point out these ownership percentages are in 12-team leagues. Junior Guerra, 40%. Carlos Rodon, 48%. Trevor Cahill, 35%. Mike Fires, who was just traded to Oakland, 22%. And my shocking name on here is Derek Holland at 17%. Oh, my Lord. Really, really yeah, good. I saw that. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't take him over any of the other guys I mentioned. But for you deep leaguers, I mean, oh. he's out there and he's been oh. pretty reliable and good. And it hasn't just been in the bullpen either. I mean, he's carried it over as a starting pitcher. Now, no one – no one goes to the Netherlands. No, no one goes, goes there. The no one goes to the Netherlands. Well, we know a couple of people that go to the Netherlands. But don't go that route. We, we've seen what happens. You will pick him up, and his next start, nine runs in one inning. It's true. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's true. There is, there is a lot of blow-up risk when it comes to Derek Holland. But at 17%, if that's what you're staring at, that's what you're staring at. Yeah. Okay, some other injury updates. Kelvin Herrera hit the DL with the shoulder injury. The MRI came back clean. Madsen's going to take over there. Any thoughts, Nick? Definitely pick up Madsen because the save opportunities are going to be uh, – um, they're going to be there until Doolittle comes back. And Madsen has been on and off as far as performance the entire year. But you know what? If he – if he – Stays hot in this role. He could hold it until Doolittle comes back, which nobody knows when Doolittle's coming back right now. Yeah, we have no idea when Doolittle's going to come back. Um, one thing I can, one thing I think we can say about the situation, though, is probably you'll probably safely let Herrera go. Um, you know what? I I did it. I, I was the Herrera owner, and I I dropped him for Madsen today, and I was like, you know what? Why didn't I stash him? I should have stashed him. So I'm probably going to pick him back up because I. I the thing with Doolittle right now is there is no news. There is no nothing. I have scoured the internet to find some type of news on Doolittle, and there is nothing. So um, I don't know. I, it, it, this could be a lengthy period of time. And if it is, and even if Madsen does succeed in limited time, when Herrera comes back, they may uh, shuffle them with the save opportunities. So I don't know. I think, I think Herrera is probably still worth owning if you need the saves. Okay, so but let's say your DL spots are full. Uh, then, then yeah, it's fine. Cut them. It depends on your what you need for saves. Okay. All right, Tommy Pham fractured his foot. He's out indefinitely. Ah. And Dexter Fowler and Tyler O'Neill both hit the DL. Yep. Fowler's absence looks like it's going to be an extended one. It's time. Yeah. It's Bader time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. All right, and Strasburg through today. Going to throw again in a couple of days before Yay. heading out on a rehab start. Um, you obviously need to watch this situation closely over the next couple of days. 
is, you know, guys throw and then they have setbacks. But if he gets to the rehab outing clean, um, you know, maybe you can start to plan on him. I imagine he's going to need two rehab starts before he returns. Yeah. Okay. So we'll move to value gainers. Uh, we're going to take a look at guys that have exceeded their pre-draft value and their outlook for the rest of the season and also an eye towards next year. So our first guy up, Yasmani Grandal, sporting, nine, sporting 19 homers, 49 runs, 56 RBIs, and a 256 average with an 851 OPS. Nick, what do you think about Yasmani Grandal? Well, first off, let's preface this by saying that we are both and have always been Yasmani guys. True. Uh, we've both owned him multiple years. I've owned him almost every year in our league at some point. I traded for him or drafted him. Um, and it's because he's underrated every single year. Like, why would you why would you reach on Salvador Perez and not take Yasmani Grandal? Like, it, there's a good example. Here's a guy who's going to definitely eclipse 20 home runs and is going to get you the good counting stats and also walks. He gets a nice boost in OBP leagues. Um, but the thing with Grandal is this. Yeah, we like him as a serviceable catcher. And if you punt the position and you take a guy like, Grandal, and you pair him with a safe guy like uh, Yadier Molina later, who who will get you, get you the batting average, um, where they could actually play well together because Grandal's batting average is kind of a mystery year in year out. Um, Grandal, the issue is that is that he gets his stats one week a year. If you're in a head to head league, he gets them all in one week. Unfortunately, I played him the week he did. I still destroyed the kid I played because I'm the best, but. <laughs> Grandal is just this crazy – he gets super hot like a Corey Dickinson and it gets cold like Corey Dickinson um, kind of guy. Roto doesn't really matter, but uh, head-to-head, I-, I would say try and sell him now because the, the darkness is coming very soon of like 0 for 4, 4 strikeout games. Yeah, Grandal has turned into a value. I can't say I'm terribly surprised with his level of performance. When healthy with the Dodgers, Grandal has exhibited excellent patience, power, and the average has been livable as long as the health has been there. Um, as Nick mentioned, Grandal has a history of going through heavy slumps. That greatly deflates his line, but those slumps are usually accompanied by some sort of injury, which he attempts to play through. Um, right now, he appears healthy, so I see no reason why Grandal would not be a 260-type hitter, um, especially with a declining K rate. Um, which is a positive development, and with 25 homer pop for a catcher. Now, you have to remember, you wind wind the clocks back to pre-draft time. Um, You know, the reason why his value was deflated was Austin Barnes and the fear that Austin Barnes was going to take his job. And Barnes has been a huge disappointment after receiving significant hype, even from us. I mean, we were definitely in on Barnes. We thought that he had some potential to potentially break through, and it just has not materialized. Um, Grandal sports a 42% hard contact rate. That carries the day and leads to continued power production from one of the few catchers that's been productive this year. Um, as for a future outlook, Grandal is heading into free agency and uh, probably going to look to cash in big because not only is he a, a good offensive catcher, but he's very good behind the plate as well. Uh, the power can play in pretty much any park, but the surroundings may not be as good. And this year might be an anomaly for health because, again, he's been healthy. So he normally finds his way to an injury at some point during the season. And 
we're just running out of days. Um, and at 30, you know, we see catchers decline. I mean, look at Jonathan Lucroy, whose offensive game has completely fallen off a cliff. So he's getting close to that line. So he yeah. he might go from being a value this year to being overdrafted next year. See, I don't know if he'll be overdrafted next year because he's never been overdrafted and he's had success. I think he just has that name where he's going to be overlooked again. Um, but if he signs with a team like the Brewers, which would be a really nice fit, then we're going to salivate and we're, we're going to be the ones that take him really, really, really high. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of it may depend on where he ends up. Um, you know, if he ends up in Milwaukee, he's obviously a very, very attractive candidate. If he ends up elsewhere, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a situation where I wouldn't be terribly excited. Oakland, even though that lineup is very good. I mean, well, it's just not be, a very he'd good. Be, he'd be really nice on that team, actually. Well, he would be a really good fit, but it's not the best part for his skill set. Yeah, no. Okay, CJ Cron, 52 runs, 22 homers, 56 RBIs, a 250 average, and a 796 OPS. Another guy we both liked. Uh, Nick, what do you make of CJ Cron for the rest of this year and going into next year? So, you know how much I love Cron forever and ever. I've been waiting for Pujols to retire. He hasn't. He's there. <laughs> he's never yeah. gonna retire. He's, he's, <laughs> he's making all the money. I know. He just he just shows up with crutches and uh, he just does his thing still. And he completely cock blocked CJ Cron from becoming coming a superstar, which is what he is right now in these rays, these feisty rays. Um. So. Listen, I, I love Kron. I always have. I've always waited for him to get the playing time. Now he's got it, and he's succeeding. Uh, 22 home runs, 248 average. I could see the average going up a little bit. Um, in years past, in the Angels, AAA, he's been more of a 265-plus hitter. And I think we're going to see him next year uh, be some become like a 265-ish hitter with close to 30 home runs and good counting stats. I think he's going to be a nice player. Um, as far as the rest of the year goes, you could pace him out for exactly what I said. So if he's at 22 now and he's at 100 more at-bats, figure he's at another six home runs in his bank. He'll finish this year with 28 home runs and a 250 average. I, lo- I like CJ. Yeah, I said way back in April, Kron looked like a good bet to finally receive close to full-time playing time. And with that, he might finally break through in a division that's great for hitters in the AL East. Kron has carried over his pull side focus from 2017, paired it with career high hard contact percentage to produce the best power season of his career. Now, there is some room for aggression. The 22.4% homer to fly ball rate is nearly one third higher than his previous career high. And I don't think the skills have changed that much that the increase is warranted. So I think true talent, Kron is probably about a 25 homer bat rather than the 30 ish homer pace that he's on i think this more represents the ceiling of his power as opposed to you know his new norm um there's also been some erosion in his contact skills that coincides with the increasing focus on pull side power so the batting average which used to reside in that 265 area is probably closer to 250 so he's traded some of um the batting average for some power which is good because he's much more appealing as a 250 bat with 25 homer power than he was as a 265 hitter with 18 homers. Um, so, so if you if you if you're projecting him, CJ Cron is what a 250 ish hitter next year. 
but like what close to close to 30 or I would 20? put I would put him as a 250 25 guy okay now in this climate where, where would you then rank him as far as first baseman go or overall where would you think he's he probably go? somewhere between 200 and 300 overall yeah okay yeah I, I would agree with that and the other thing that you have to remember is they've got Bowers there and Bowers is going to play so that puts Kron in a position where he's got to play DH. So he's got a very low floor because if he's not hitting, they're not going to play him. You know, they're not going to – teams don't put up with zeros at DH for long, or at least they shouldn't. So he's got to hit out of the gate. Otherwise, he's going to find himself on the bench. So even if you like him, you do have to bake in some of that downside because – there's not a lot of places for him to go because Bowler isn't going into the outfield with Pham and Kiermaier. Um, oh, and who's the other guy? I don't, I don't have who um, on who the Rays. Yeah. Duffy. Wait a minute. Outfield though. Outfield. Um, Oh, Austin Meadows. There you go. That's it. Um, was, I don't have his splits in front of me, but does, isn't he, like a strong platoon guy, Krono? No, is it pretty? He's a he's a right-handed hitter. So I mean, I don't know what his splits are, but typically right-handed hitters hit lefties well, and you know that usually puts them on the short side of a platoon if they're going to platoon him. Okay, that moves us to Javi Baez at second base. Monster year: seventy-one runs, twenty-five homers, eighty-eight RBIs, nineteen steals. 302-929 OPS. What do we make of this breakout year for Javi Baez? Is it going to continue down the stretch? And what is his outlook for 2019? All right. So first off, this is definitely a breakout. And he has made some clear advances. Uh, he's swinging at a lot of, a lot of less pitches outside the strike zone. Um, Are you sure about no, that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's swinging more pitches outside the strike zone, <laughs> but he's striking out a lot less. Um, and it's 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 he's odd because he has a little bit of Jonathan scoop in him. The only thing is his stat cast is so ridiculously sexy. He's a night he's averaging ninety two mile per hour exit velo, and he's only the launching on right now is only nine point seven, which is below league average. So as far as the power goes, there's the only place to go for him next year is up. I mean, if he has even a little bit of a swing change and that angle goes from 9.7 to like 12.5 plus, anything over that is gravy, he's going to hit a ton of home runs next year, especially if he maintains this K rate. The more contact he makes, the more home runs he's going to hit. I like him going forward. Um, I do think that he may be overdrafted next year um, because he plays for the Cubs um, he was a huge prospect name coming up. He kind of fizzled out. And now everyone's like, oh, this is, this is the Javi Baez. This is the guy that he was supposed to be. And he may go a lot higher than he should next year. Like, I still – I don't think he's a 20-stolen base guy, which is what he's going to get this year. I, I don't see that kind of speed from him. I see him more as like a 15 or – between a 8 and 15-ish type stolen base guy with – Definitely, I, I think he'll be a 30 home run hitter at some point, but the average is going to come down. Uh, he's not a 300 hitter, and the rest of the way it's going to come down as well. So, like, I would project him next year for going like 30, 12, 
270, 270 on the nail, which is good, but it's not spectacular, which is it's not going to be where people take him. His ADP is going to be sky high. Yeah, I've long been a, a hobby bias doubter, and uh, I'm going to take the L on 2018, obviously. I mean, this is the sort of upside that the believers saw. A 30 homer, 25 steal type bat in terms of category juice with the 290 average, which is probably above where even his most fervent believers would put it. Um, so, I mean, as, as Nick kind of hinted at to start with, you know, there are some issues with this profile, and that leads me doubtful for next year. But before I get into my doubts for next year, I mean, there's 50-some-odd games left this year. So I can't predict him to fall completely off the table because it's 50 games. I mean, anything can happen at this point. Uh, now, I can tell you that I do believe that there is some regression in store for him and that you should proceed cautiously if you're thinking about buying him. Um, but at minimum for next year, he's got swing and miss, 17.5% swing strike rate. That's significant. And the chase rate has continued to got, get worse. He's swinging at 46% of pitches outside the zone. Um, I, I wonder why the league throws him strikes. And, you know, there, there may be a reason for it. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, if it was me... Pitching the Javi Baez, I would never throw him a strike because it, it just doesn't make sense to. Um, he hasn't shown the patience or the plate discipline to to prove to me that, you know, I have to throw him strikes or hittable pitches. Um, that sort of issue makes me think Baez has significant downside. Um, and with the absence of patience, with the absence of the ability to take a walk and to not swing at bad pitches, the floor could be really low for him. So he's sort of a high variance guy at this point, based upon what we've seen from him this year in terms of what his ceiling is. Um, you know, the the twenty four point five percent home to fly ball rate is also the highest of his career. Now I, I'm gonna uh, Nick and I didn't talk about bias beforehand, but we're probably extremely close in how we see him value wise because the way I see bias is a twenty five homer, fifteen steal type. So he's a little higher on the power. I'm a little higher on the speed with like a 260 average. So, I mean, we're in the same ballpark value-wise, but there's significant variance here. So I, I, I think the price is going to be too high. Um, for instance, Paul Spore over at Fangraphs did a early 2019 top 30 probably about three or four weeks ago. And I think he had buy as a 22. So that's a second round pick in 12 team mixed leagues. Wow. I would go nowhere near him at nowhere. that price. That's really surprising. Because, I mean, we, the K rate is not the, like he's swinging at so many pitches outside the zone. How is he maintaining a 23% K rate right now? Like, it doesn't make sense. He's because he's not getting deeper into counts. That's what the. But that's, but that's what I'm saying. He's obviously going to regress when, when pitchers adjust to him. Yeah, the question is why have they not? Is it, yeah. is it the lineup is, but that's just it. Like, I, like to me, I would say, all right, well, the lineup's so good that pitchers can't afford to pitch around him, but the lineup hasn't been that good. I mean, Brian's been hurt. Rizzo's Rizzo by all accounts has had a down year. I mean, Schwarber's been good, but are they really avoiding hobby pitching? Are they really throwing hobby by strikes because they're afraid of Kyle Schwarber? Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I can't figure I that out. It, listen, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be next year. And it's going to be, I think to start the year, we're going to see it big time. We're going to see the adjustment. We're going to see, you know, pitchers approach him completely differently. And it's going to be something that we've seen with Jonathan Scoop this year. Well, I don't think he's, he, listen, he definitely is more talented than Scoop. Um, but as far as the batting average go, before I said 270, but really, I think he's got a pretty low floor as far as batting average. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish with a 250 average next year. And he, had, he, he did have 270 the year before and the year before that, which is kind of surprising with the K rates. But I could definitely see a year where he is at or under 250. And it doesn't come with that impressive counting stats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I completely agree with you. 22 is, 22 is really, really high. Yeah. I mean, you're taking him over, like, absolute studs. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I, to me, I thought that was very high as well. Um, just because of the variance. Yeah. You know, I, I, can't, I can't deny his ceiling at this point. But I agree with you. I think the floor is actually pretty low. And I, I think the league will find a way to adjust. All right, let's move to third base. We've got a few guys to talk about here. I actually ran into a bit of a conundrum because it's a bunch of guys we've talked about, some with multiple positions. Um, so we figured we would do them together with the slant towards next year because we really talked about, you know, all three of these guys as far as their production this year. Uh, the first is Eugenio Suarez with 59 runs, 26 homers, 87 RBIs, a 304 average, and a 965 OPS. Nick, what do you make of Suarez for next year? So first off, I, I want to point something out. Um, I don't think the Reds have gotten enough credit for what they've done offensively. As far as the offensive coaches go, hitting coaches, this team has succeeded so far past people's projections. Everyone. Scooter Jeanette, Eugenio Suarez, what Joey Votto's done over the last 80 years, uh, Peraza. I was about to say Peraza is taking a nice step forward this yeah. year. Like, like they're getting so much out of these guys. Chebler. And they're turning yeah, and they're turning people's swings around. Like, I mean, Jeanette and, and, and Suarez, these were guys that were coming up that they weren't major power hitters. I mean, Suarez, if you look at his numbers in double AA, AAA, um, he was a single digit home run guy. And as soon as he came to the majors, 2016, it was 21 home runs from then on. Um, but as far as Suarez goes, I think that we could see this guy be a future, I don't want to say first rounder, I, but close to it, with, with a possibility of him entering that, that realm. Because first off, he's a very, very skilled hitter. He has patience, he doesn't strike out, he makes a ton of contact. But then you look at his stat cast and the numbers are ridiculous he's 91 mile per hour exit velo 15.3 launch angle he's at all the makings of an absolute breakout player on a very very underrated reds offense and you're gonna get that reds player discount which is what you know you've gotten with Votto over the last 15 years you've gotten with i'm being obviously i'm speaking and i'm exaggerating but um you're going to continue to get that next year. So I think Suarez will, again, be a very valuable, uh, good buy on draft day. And I next year I could totally see him hitting 30-plus, batting 290, getting a ton of counting stats, and just, you know, being the man. He's freaking awesome. Yeah, the skills are really good. He's got patience, 10% walk rate. 
a JD Martinez esque hard contact rate of fifty two percent. Wow, I didn't. That's even hard that. contact more than half the time. Wow, and a very balanced batted ball profile, which supports a plus average uh, to go with what is thirty homer pop. I think I view Suarez sort of in the range of where Anthony Rendon went this year, which was about a right around the third, fourth round. Um, and I think it's a fair price considering his sustained level for a full season. Um, but yet he has not proven that level for more than a full season. So I don't want to get out of control. And I think that was sort of what you were getting at, Nick, was that he's sort of displayed close to first round skills this year, but the track record doesn't support paying for that yet. So, but you, but you totally see that kind of upside in the player. Oh yeah. I mean, like, I think he's just getting better like year after year. I think, I think going into this year, we were sort of viewing 2017 as his ceiling, which was, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think they were like 26 homers, you know, 80 plus RBIs, 265-ish average. Um, But I think that's now where I'd probably put his reasonable floor. Um, You know, I I, I would be – I think that would be a disappointing season following this year. Um, I could certainly see this year being the ceiling because I think he's going to – approach 35 bombs with the 300 average. And that's just not very easy to do (laughs) even in this day and age. Um, But yeah, I I mean, he, he has steadily improved. Um, You know, this is a year over year over year thing. Uh, He's only 27, even though he's been around for a while. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I'm a buyer. I, I think that third ish round is, is perfectly fair and a reasonable price to pay. The only reason why I wouldn't go higher on him is just that he doesn't have the track record um, that says he's going to do this again, you know, year after year after year after year. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about that? Is that like the right range for you? Would you go a little higher? A little um, I mean, I was thinking when you said it, that's, that's pretty low. Like, like I, if I got him in that Rendon range, I think Rendon was like 50, like right around the 50 mark. Okay. So then maybe I'm misremembering. Because third, fourth round is like 36 to – I sort of had like 36 to 40 in my mind. Okay. So like top 40 type player. Listen, the the, the league is crowded right now. Like next year's ADPs are going to be loaded. Like one through 50, you're going to get you get studs at the studs at the studs. Yes, I agree. So as far as Suarez, um, I like him in that range. I like him in the Rendon range of like 50-ish. Um, any lower is a steal, any higher, I don't mind it because I, I think at this point he's a safe play after watching the guy so much. He's just – I think he is what he is. He's going to he's gonna continue to rake. Okay, let's move it to Max Muncy. 50 homers, 24 home runs, 49 RBIs, two steals, 253, 944 OPS. What do we make of Muncy? So very, very, very similar – Stat cast numbers to Suarez, 91 uh, exit velo, 17 launch angle, which is great. Um, a, a ton of hard contact at 46.4. Uh, so he's kind of like uh, Eugenio Light, but in a different way. Um, listen, it's his here's – the, here's the good thing. Right now, the launch angle is so high and the exit velo is so low. I mean, I mean it's so high as well. And it's his, like, first full season – 
So if he's if he were to undergo any sort of swing change this offseason, the kid could hit like 50 home runs next year. Uh, he's got absolutely insane power. He's got patience, which is great. Uh, right now he's at 16.6 walks um, uh, based on ball percentage. The OBP is 382. Uh, I think he's going to absolutely crush next year in a full season. I could see him eclipsing or get, getting very, very, very close to 40 home runs in the year. The batting average is what's kind of a mystery to me. Um, right now he's at a 250 average with a 280 Babbitt. Um, uh, in in, in A, he had a 387 Babbitt over a 309 average. Um, I think when all is said and done, Muncy's going to wind up being like a 35-plus bomb guy with like a 250 average. Um, so I think he's going to be a really good player. I like him as a, like a Chris Davis-esque type of player going forward. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair place to put him. I, I mean, the the reason for the batting average being where it is is the fly ball profile. I mean, he just hits fly balls after fly balls after fly balls, and that's why the power is so good. Um, but you know, as I've said many times on this podcast, fly ball profiles lead to minus babips, and that's what we've seen from him thus far. Um, you know, it's not too bad. Two eighty is fine, um, and when you're getting thirty five bombs or, you know, your, that's your pace or your projection for him, you know, you can live with, like, that 280 BABIP and the 250 average that comes with it, especially when he's walking at, you know, a 15-plus percentage clip. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Muncie as well. I, I think that – I think what he's done is mostly sustainable. Um, I, I don't think that there's much flukiness to it. Um, you know, I, 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 you, all you have to do is watch him, watch him hit, and you can see – how he generates the power and that it's, it's very much for real. Um, the one thing that I do worry about with Muncie is um, I worry about the Dodgers commitment to him. Um, and th- I say that for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first of which is you have to worry that they've sort of gone out and added all these pieces during this run. I mean, they've added Dozier and they've added Machado. And I think part of the reason why they added these pieces was they wanted some insurance in case Muncie came back to earth, which makes me think that they're not a full believer in him. And then the other part of it is, and we've seen this with players that have broken out and then subsequently, um, you know, struggled the following year is uh, their investment in Muncie is not large. So if, you know, he struggles out of the gate next year, he could very easily find himself into, you know, a platoon or a bench role. Um, So it sort of gives him a different floor than Suarez in that Suarez's playing time is extremely secure. Um, You know, he's not going anywhere. Um, You know, they've they've got him locked under a contract too. They paid him. Um, Muncie is a guy that's, you know, could very easily be turned into a bench bat if he gets off to a slow start next year. So, with that, I think you have to be careful. I think he's sort of in that, you know, Matt Olson class, probably right around pick 100. Um, you know, I think he's a little further down the board than Suarez. Agreed. Okay. And Scooter Jeanette, Suarez's teammate, 65 runs, 17 homers, 67 RBIs, three steals, 310, 854 OPS. Same question. What do you think about Jeanette maybe for next year? Um, 
I'm Jeanette's biggest fan. I love him. I've loved him since he was a baby boy. Uh, <clears throat> the way I see him going forward is um, a really good, strong average hitter with decent – well, good, not great power. And I can see the steals going up. Um, last year, just three. This year, just three on the year so far. But I think he's a guy that could get up around 10. And if he's able to, that's the magic number. Then he becomes valuable because you, this is a guy who will go 25, 10, and hit like 290 plus with good counting stats. Okay, so I got a comp for you. Go. Peak Daniel Murphy. Um, No, because Murphy, Peak Murphy was batting like 360 or some crazy, craziness, no? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think, listen, right now, I, the average is a little fluky. He's at a 362 Babbitt. Um, that'll come down a little bit. Uh, like I said, I see him as like a 300-ish hitter, just under, just over, but a really solid, safe play. As far as ADP goes, he's a really hard guy to gauge. He's one of those guys with the name, um, with him, Grandal. These are the kind of guys that just will get, continuously get overlooked on draft day. Look what he did. Look at it. Look at this year. I mean, last year he came off a 27 home run, 295 year with fantastic counting stats. And he was drafted at what? Like he was, he was post 100. And he this is post from, 200. Post 200. And it's a guy who was 28 years old, who just had a breakout season. So, um, it's just because he didn't have the prospect pedigree. Well, for me, he did. I mean, I, I was raving about the guy. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like him going forward. I think he'll be a nice play next year. I think the eight, he'll, he'll, be, uh, he'll get the red discount, just like Suarez, except he'll be a lot deeper. And I could see him being around, like, one, maybe 45 overall area. Um, I like him a lot. You know, the bringing up of – of Jeanette from last year and his ranking is interesting because we just talked about Muncie and, you know, Jeanette ended up right around pick 200. Do you think we could see like a similar sort of ranking for Muncie going into no. next year? Maybe we're overrating no. him no. in terms of how the market no, it, will perceive him. It comes down to two things. One is red for reds versus Dodgers. And two is power. People buy power. People buy good teams. You put them together. You put Muncie. Yeah, but Jeanette hit twenty-seven moms. I know, but Muncie's a guy who's going to hit forty. Or is it just? Or is it just? You know, you know what it probably is is probably the difference. We've seen Jeanette at the major league level, or or prior to last year, we had an extensive sample of Jeanette at the major league level where he wasn't special. Yeah, don't have that sample with Muncie. True. So. Muncie has only been productive at the major league level as far as we can tell. Jeanette had years where he hit like eight homers. Yeah. So but I, sort of- I, think a, I think a big part of it is the Reds, though, too. Listen, just think about this. The one knock – me, you, and Joey are three guys who have always loved Votto. And every single year, Votto is not mentioned in those top guys. And the reason is because people say, oh, the counting stats or the Reds or yada, yada, yada. And that's always pushing him back every single year. I mean, this year he's not been that good, but in years past. And I think we're going to continue to see it with them. It's just they have a bad stigma. Yeah, well, but that brings up another good point because, I mean, Jeanette's um, a free agent after next year. So if he was to leave Cincinnati for a less friendly ballpark, does that – change your opinion of him at all um 
Could you be a guy that could go from like 25 homers in Cincinnati to like 18 in a bad ballpark? It's, it doesn't change. Listen, 25 and 18 is a, is a very big difference because 18 in this climate is like one 10 years ago. But um, I, <clears throat> I'm drafting Jeanette because of the batting average and the ability to get on base and not because of the power. So if, even if he was to get me 18, you're making him sound more like Daniel Murphy, honestly, because this is, this is kind of like the question with Murphy too. Uh, but 18, 10, a really good average, it's rosterable. And I, but I think, I think the ADP is always going to be solid with him. That's the thing. Okay. And where would you draft him next year? Um, I would start looking Jeanette's way, uh, obviously based on team comp, but let's just say vacuum. I do my ADPs. I probably have him around one. I want to say the one twenty-five ish range, one thirty. Wow, I am a lot higher than you. Really? Yeah, I've got him in round four or five. What? Yeah. What What are your projections for Jeanette? Well, I think the power is more real than you do. I mean, I think he's like a. 295 hitter, 290, 295, 25 homers, you know, good counting. Yeah, but is, but even, all right, so, so you're making him sound a little bit like Rendon, right? He's a little bit like Rendon. Yeah, that's kind of how I see him. Okay, well then, listen, that's, that's fair then, if you have him where you have him. With Rendon, the, the, the difference between those two guys is one, Rendon has a, like absolute amazing hit tool that I don't think we've seen yet. Um, like, like turn into this monster season. I don't know if Jeanette is as good, but but Jeanette's having that monster season right now. Mm. After having like a monster stress, you think he's having a monster season? Monster? I mean, three ten. Well, like three ten, but we yeah, but I think he's a plus Babbitt guy. Yeah, he is. So, like, 310 might be a little high, but I definitely see him as, like, a 290-plus type. With the oh. power. See, like, I'm big on those – I'm big on guys that can get me those 25 bombs, 290. Yeah. I think that they're extremely useful, and I think they're sort of underrated. I totally agree. Just like Rendon. I, I was excited to own him this year. He's been, he's been consistent. He's been great. He's been boring. <laughs> Which boring isn't so bad sometimes. No, it's not. All right. Well, we've already talked about those guys enough, so let's yeah. move along. Uh, we'll talk about Jerks and Profar now. Uh, 58 runs, 11 homers, 57 RBIs, 9 steals, 253, 785 OPS. What do you think about Profar down the stretch and going into next year? All right. So this is interesting. I, I, do you have trades for him by any chance? Or no? uh, let me take a look. I might. I added some trades for some of these guys. No, I right. got but, trades for guys coming up. The outfielders. Yeah, because I'm really, cu- I'm really curious about what if people are now buying Profar as oh this is the you know this is the guy now he's he's going to be this major breakout star which is what people thought years ago but I'm honestly not really buying it. And I, and I like the fact that he only strikes out 13% of the time and walks 9.5. Like that, those are awesome ratios. And it, it's, it's really good for a guy who's still just 25 years old and hasn't had many plate appearances in, in his career. 
He's obviously making huge strides right now, um, and he looks good. The only thing is this. I look at him, and I kind of see Matt Duffy. Like, I think he'll have a, a pretty good hit tool. Like, he'll, he'll have a decent average going forward. I can see the 253 going way up next year. Right now he has just a 266 average. Um, but I think that he's a guy who could hit, like, 285-plus in the future and get you more steals. Um, right now he's at nine. I, I could see the speed getting up to around 20, maybe, you know, 15 plus, but the power I'm not buying at all. I mean, he only has 12 now, which, you know, isn't, isn't that good. But the problem is if you're a mediocre base dealer and you have a mediocre, well, just above mediocre average and like not a lot of power, then you're really not rosterable in this climate. I mean, not that you, he, he, listen, he is rosterable because he plays shortstop. So those stats aren't that bad from that position. But right now, the exit wheel is 86.9. That's well, well, well below league average. Um, so I really and, – and, and watching the kid swing. It's a short swing. He's a contact hitter. And I think that – I don't think there's much upside as far as the home run depart, department goes. And there's not a really high ceiling as far as the steals. But like I said, I could see him topping out at 20. Um, so the upside with him, I just don't see the, the – the, 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 the big high ceiling, the big breakout from Profar coming. But I could definitely see a really good average season where he hits 280 and, and belts maybe even 15 home runs and 20 steals, which is good. But it's not amazing, which is where I think people are going to gauge him after this season. Like, like it's coming. Now Profar is coming next year. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Profar is the poster child for post-type sleeper at this point. Um, yeah. He's armed with a ton, ton of eligibility at the moment. Uh, plenty of playing time on a rebuilding Texas club. Uh, he's got great pure plate skills, which Nick mentioned. I mean, his strikeout rate is very, very good. He brings some patience to the dish as well. Some power, some speed. So a little bit of everything. Um, encouraging signs. He's seen an increase in hard contact. Um Recently, and in particular, it's occurred over the last few months. June, it was 48% for the month. And July, it sits at a healthy 36%, which is still very good for a middle infielder. Um, uh, In terms of how I view Profar at this point, I think he's still a benched piece in 12-team mixers, but one that's extremely useful considering the fact that he has pretty much every position on the diamond. Um, and the prominence in his role in, in the lineup. I mean, Texas is a team that's rebuilding, but they haven't been able to move any of their pieces. So Chu's still there. Andrus is still there. Gallo's still there. Beltre's still there. Mazzara's coming back. So it's still a, kind of a sneaky good lineup, even though the team isn't very good. And Profar is right in the middle of it. Um, so I, I think that although – Nick has hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, Profar is not a guy that has an incredibly high ceiling. Um, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe like a mediocre Christian Yelich here is the ceiling for Profar. You know, like a 18, 18, 285. Well, Matt Duffy, that's like Matt Duffy's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I know that's, I know I said that's Profar's ceiling, but that's like 
Matt Duffy's Max Muncy years. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Matt Duffy, but yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it's not that great. But yeah, I think like a, or maybe like the year that Chris Taylor just had um, last yeah. year for the Dodgers is another one that yep. I think is similar. I mean, Taylor strikes out more than Profar, but you know, you get the idea. It's sort of, it's good, but it's not. You definitely see the upside in the batting average of the plumber, right? Yes, absolutely. Because I mean, the strikeout rate's so low. Yeah. What, and, um, so give, give me an idea. Where do you see him going next year? ADP? Give me a number. I could see, given his past prospect pedigree, him ending up around like 150. And I think I'm out at that price. So, so let me tell you something. So tell me you can't see this next year. I could totally see him being the all-time spring training guy. Like spring training comes, this guy is, is just crushing, and he shoots from like 150 to like 60. You know, he's that kind of guy. I – I would agree with you most in most cases, but I think his injury track record keeps the market cool just enough. Okay. You know, like think about, think about what's going on with Michael Brantley, who we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, You know, it's just, there's just enough doubt there still that he can stay healthy that I, I just don't see him getting that hot. But I think even at 150, it'll be just a little bit too rich for my blood. Yeah. Okay, let's move to his teammate, Shin Su Chu, with 64 runs, 20 homers, 53 RBIs, three steals, a 274 batting average, and an 855 OPS. What do we think about Chu for the rest of the season? Ah, uh, Chu. God, he just he's like a fine wine. He just gets better with age. It's true. Um, it's, it is true. Um, you know, I was at the point, I think maybe the year before last where I kind of was like, uh, you know, I'm giving up on him. The guy is, uh, suffering injuries and every year after year he's, he's hurt. It's a hamstring. It's this, it's that. And now all of a sudden he, he's fully healthy this year. Last year he turned, he had 636 plate appearances <clears throat> and he's been extremely, extremely consistent as far as the power goes year to year. Um, and as far as the batting average goes, I, it sucks that he lost the stolen bases this year. He's only at three right now, where he was at 12 last year. But it doesn't matter. Look, Chu was free this year. And if you're getting a 270 average, 20-plus home runs, some steals, you know, the five steals, it's it's decent. It's something. Um, you know, you, you made out like a bandit if he's your third outfielder in, in deeper leagues. I mean, an OBP gets a huge boost. He's getting on base 384 right now, his OBP. Mm-hmm. Um, the K rates... 23. I mean, there's no reason to think that he's going to decline the rest of the year or next. I think next year he'll be another a, a value again. So I, I like you. I'm buying him. It's, he's going to continue to get that veteran discount that me and you always pounce on. We love the veterans. Yeah, it's another very good year for him after not receiving much respect pre-draft. Uh, he's hitting for a solid average, improved power. He might put up the best power output of his career which helps offset the loss of stolen bases. The run production's good. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned with Profar, that should stick around. The lineup hasn't changed, and I don't think it's going to change. And they're even getting Mazzara back, so it might get a little better. Um, he has a batted ball profile that should lead to a plus Babbitt, good line drive rate, enough ground balls, 40% hard contact, no infield flies. 
Um, he's like a 2% infield fly ball guy, which is excellent. So there's no automatic outs. Um, that combined with a very good eye puts him on base a ton, and you can expect that to continue. The homer to fly ball rate is a little high, but he's trended up in recent years. So I, I think it might be part, you know, the ballpark in Texas and part uh, his own approach changes. He might top 30 bombs for the first time. That combined with the good run production, 275 average, is a really nice combo and a major value. You may want to throw his name out there just to see what you can get for him. Um, the market that. actually seems to be pretty good, and I've got some trades. It's, it's actually – no, I've got one good one. I've got one bad one. Yeah. All right, so I've, uh, so I've actually got a couple of good ones. So Chew for Rich Hill. I want Rich Hill. Yeah, me too. Chu and Tyone for Granky. I want Granky. Yep, me too. So there are leagues where you can get something for Chu. Yeah. And then there's then there's this one. Chu and Robinson Torinos for Corey Dickerson. Chu and Torinos for Dickerson. Um I want I want Chu over I, Dickerson. Yeah, me like straight up. Very <laughs> like, forget, forget Robinson Torinos. Yeah, that guy's definitely a Robinson Torinos fan. That's why he did it. But yeah, I want you as well. So, I mean, you can see it depends on the league. It might be worth it to throw him out there just to see. But, I mean, worst case, you're looking at a guy who's like a perfect third outfielder for you. Yeah. And next year, his ADP will be like 350. Yeah, so. it'll still be so, free next year it's, because it's, it's he's all a year older. Yeah, it's all gravy. Okay, so let's move it to Michael Brantley. 59 runs, 12 homers, 57 RBIs, 6 steals, 295, 807 OPS. So this is the Jerickson Profar guy. This is the Jerickson Profar comp. Um, so Brantley is just awesome. He is just awesome. And people who are, were so afraid this year of taking him, I was one of them. I am very, very afraid of injuries. Pat probably had him as a top 20 guy because Pat just loves really injury-prone guys. Um, but Risk. Listen, I don't yeah, care. Risk. He doesn't <laughs> care. And you know what? It pays off. I mean, wh where was what was Brantley's ADP this year? He was going pretty deep. He was like a top 45 outfielder. Oh, that's, that's still pretty high. But um, if he was, let's just say, towards the 45-ish range, then he's what, like one seventy overall? Um, like I want to say he was a little lower than that, but you're you're in the ballpark. Okay, he was so, somewhere between one eighty and two hundred. So I yeah, think. in that case, uh, I, if I would have seen him in, in, in our draft in like the 15, 16 round, I would have probably have taken him. Like, I'm guessing he went higher than that. Um, but listen, I don't remember where he went in our in our home league. So well. Listen, bottom line is when he plays, similar to Rich Hill, he's going to get you quality innings. Um, the guy is an, just a ridiculously good contact hitter right now. He's at a 299 average with a 303 Babbitt. So the average is only going to go up as the year goes on. He does not strike out at all. That K rate is so sexy, it is ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm just all over Brantley. He's batting second on, in my opinion, the best lineup in baseball. Um, that one through four is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, like I would trade our one through four on the Yankees for this one through four. Call me crazy, but they're just friggin' awesome. 
Um, the rest of the way, he's money in the bank for that 300 average. This is just what he does. And as far as the power goes, I am really interested to see what he could do next year because I think we're going to see a power increase. I think this is a guy who next year could go like 20 plus and close to 15 bomb, uh, close to 15 steals with a 300 plus average. So I, I'm going to have his ADP. I would have him inside the top 30 easy and easily a top 120 guy. I would definitely look his way in the 10th round. I, I love Brantley and I would take the risk next year, especially with getting through this year fully healthy is the key. That's what we want. You know, you had me raise my eyebrows when you said top 30, because I was thinking top 30 overall. <laughs> I was oh. going to be like, no, no, don't do it. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe on both predictions, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, Brantley's sort of the same case as Chu, a boring veteran with some injury issues that fell down boards. Um, he stayed healthy. He's pacing for about 18, 10 with trademark good average and good counting numbers in one of baseball's best lineups. Um, you know, I don't think that there's much reason to be skeptical that it's going to continue. Um, I mean, Brantley certainly, I think, does carry more injury risk than a player like Chu um, because we saw Chu actually play a full year last year. Uh, this will be the first time in some time that we've seen Brantley make it all the way through. Um, so, I mean, to the extent that you're looking to uh, put his name out there, I don't have an issue with it because, you know, he is sort of a ticking time bomb. Um, you know, that said, Nick's right. He's going to produce on an inning by inning basis. But, you know, I- I'm going to say this. I don't know if I would call him a ticking time bomb. Um, the reason is this before the major injury that he suffered, he played full seasons, 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015. He suffered one major injury that knocked him out. You know, he tried to come back from it. He got hurt again. And yeah, it was terrible. He missed an entire year and a half of baseball, but but then he also got hurt at the end of last year too, with a different injury. Didn't he get his ankle? Yeah, but it was kind of fluky that injury. Um, yeah, like like listen, the injury risk is there, but it's now that I'm looking at him a little bit more, like I just don't think it's as heavy as I thought it was. Is is what I'm saying. Like if he gets through the that's why I said before, it's the key. If he gets through this season fully healthy, next year he's really, really high on my rankings. Where would you have him in your ADP? Where would you think he would be ADP wise? I think you're I think you had it about right. I think he's right around outfielder thirty. And but isn't he a great team comp guy? Like if you take Chris Davis with a K because he's obviously going to be really high next year because of what he's doing right now. Um, and you take him with a guy like Brantley, who's going to get you the steals and get you the average, like, or, or there's so many guys you could throw out there that these, these uh, big home run, low average outfielders, like Brantley makes up, makes for a really nice third outfielder. Yeah, kind of Brantley, Brantley's like the perfect third outfielder because he gives you a little bit of everything with the batting average. Yeah. Um, no, but my, my point is, like, you have you have more faith that Chu is going to stay healthy than Brantley, right? Like, you have to pick one to get hurt for the rest of Well, Who's more likely to get hurt? Next year, honestly? Right I, now. Oh, like, right now, yeah. The season. Right now, Brantley. But like I said, if Brantley gets too healthy, then I'd probably pick Chu next year because Chu's going to be, what, 39 years old, 38 years old? 
I think he's going to be 36, but don't quote me on that. Okay, um, okay but I'm talking like for the stretch run here. So like you've gotten would, through most say- of the year right now with Brantley as is, and he's been productive. Um, I can't fault somebody for wanting to cash out now if there is a market. Now I've got some trades here. And it's got to be a market. Well, I've got I've got two deals here. Okay, go ahead. So the first is Brantley for Andrew McCutcheon. That's that's a good that's a good trade. Um, I think I would do it. I I wouldn't. I, I listen. We're we're gonna continue. How much longer are we gonna continue to say upside with McCutcheon? We're in we're in early August now. I'm not gonna keep saying the upside. The upside. I just think that they're extremely similar players. And I've got more faith that McCutcheon is going to give me 50 games than I do Brantley. Now, give me Brantley uh, batting second on on this Indians team over McCutcheon. On- that's fair. It's fair. It's a fair argument. But yeah. it's close, right? Like that's yeah, that's a good. That's, that's a good where Brantley it's resides. Line. It's not the line for me at all. Like I would, ex- if I had Brantley, I'm trying to think of the line. But throw another a couple of trades if you got them in front of you. Okay, well, this is a little bit of a different deal, but I can go back and give you some outfielders. Okay. Um, so, okay, so it's Brantley, Jesus Aguilar, and a fifth-round pick in next year's draft <laughs> Okay. for Freddie Freeman and a fourth. No, I want Freddie Freeman. I want Freddie Freeman, too. It's not even close. Okay, so let me give you some outfielders. Okay. Um. Or players in general. It doesn't have to be outfielders. Like Ian Desmond. Oh, not even close, Michael Brantley. Okay. Not even close. Uh, Trying to think of names. Aaron Hicks. Oh, (laughs) Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm keep, Oh my God. That's tough. I had to I'm, hit you with your guy. Yikes. Um, I'm probably, all right. If I have Hicks and I'm Orford Brantley. Wow. Listen, the, the difference is this, that all I'm thinking in my head is that Hicks has the power and I think he's got more speed upside the rest of the way. Um, it, it's obviously based on team comp. I'm probably I'm probably sitting on Hicks, but that's the line. That that's the line. Great line. Okay, that's the one. All right, let's move it to Eddie Rosario. Seventy-two runs, twenty homers, sixty-six RBIs, seven steals, two ninety-three average, eight twenty-eight OPS. When we make a Rosario for the rest of the year, so. Um, these all these guys are kind of similar. Like they're kind of like close to each other in so a way. Mario's top of the line for me, definitely. Yeah, like he's he's probably on the higher end of this list. Um, but I think you and Joe are a little crazy about him, like a little too crazy about him. I'm 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 probably a little bit less just because of the stat cast and the power upside that I see. Um, I know last year's twenty seven. This year's 
probably going to hit just that 27 on the nail. That's what he paces out for. And he's right around 10 stolen bases, but he gives you the plus average. So like right away, the guy I was going to bring up was Justin Upton again, because for me, he's the poster boy of 30, 10, um, healthy average. Um, with, 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 uh, with Rosario, I, I see it, he comes with a really good average. So I like him, but I'm afraid to hear where you have him next year because I feel like it's going to be like insane. Well, I mean, in, in terms of the rest of this year, I, I, I think that Rosario, Rosario is a little bit non-traditional for me in that he's a free swinger with a, that had a power surge last year. Um, and prior to the year, I wasn't sure that I bought it. Um, I was wrong. Rosario has been excellent and looks like he's got like another solid year where he's going to go close to 30 bombs, 10 steals, the very strong batting average. Um, he's going to cost much more going into next year than he did last year because this is now back to back years where he's done it. Um, as far as where I would have him, I know he was around 140 this year. Um, I would probably put him 75 just inside the top 100. Um, I, I, I want to say between 80 and 90 is probably about where I would have. Him. So what are, what are people expecting next year that just 30, 10 to 90? Is that what people are like hoping for when they draft him? I would think that I would, uh, if, if I was doing projections today, I would probably put him upper twenties bombs yep. and steals and to 80, 80. Yeah. yeah yeah me too yeah so we're, we're pretty much exact as far as projection yeah, we're in but but i think he gets a major twins discount like major yeah because yeah because the lineup's gotten worse it's gotten worse and i don't know i see him i think when once adps come out he'll be floating just outside 100 because we've seen kind of like guys like this um, I think he'll be like 120, which makes him a great value. Oh, well, then I'm then I'm all in. Yeah, that I think that's definitely. I think that's where he'll be. I mean, because the part, the best part of what's gone on is is that the changes that he made in the second half last year have stuck around. Um, the hard contact is up. He's elevating the ball more, um, and I and I think there's some potential for him to run a little bit more. Um, down the stretch now and into next year because the team isn't just isn't as far along as we thought it was. Yeah, but so, the OBP, that's the only thing. Yeah, he, it is, but he's not getting on first much. Fair. It is fair. Problem. But when you're hitting 280, 290, you can live with the six, seven percent walk rate. And then yeah get on bait, you know, like you can run. So it's just, it's just, I think the team context might provide a little bit more opportunity for him to run. Um, And I'm, I'm totally on board with him as a, um, as a buy down the stretch here, because that division is bad in terms of the pitchers, like outside of Cleveland, you can feast. So I would not be shocked at all if he has a big um, end to his season coming down the stretch here. Do you have um, trades for him? Or Yeah, I've or... got a couple. 
Um, Rosario for Encarnacion. No, I want Encarnacion. I want the cleanup hitter on the good team with those RBIs. Yeah, I think you're right, but it's it's close for me. It's not close for me. Um, Rosario for Aaron Nola. No. I want Nola. Nola is – Nola looks like an absolute – he's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like, I'm buying him so hard. It's not even fun. Okay. And then the last one is Rosario Rosario for Dallas Keuchel. And in that no, case, I'm taking Rosario. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the market might be – might not be depressed on Rosario. You might actually, if you own him, be able to put him out there and get a pretty good piece. Um based on Encarnacion and Nola, um, the market might be aggressive. Yeah. And I like him, but at those, at that kind of price, I think I'm, I'm willing to sell. Yeah. Okay. Next up, Patrick Corbin, 141.1 innings pitch. This does not include today's start. 174 Ks, 3.31 ERA, 1.06 whip, 4.7 K to walk. He pitched seven and a third today uh, against the Phillies. Shut out ball. Um, I believe it was eight Ks, no walks. So everything is getting better based on that stat line after today. What do you think of Corbin for the rest of the season? And what do you make of him heading into next year? All right. So first off, we've been on Corbin for a very long time because of his breaking stuff. Um, the, the upside with him is – astronomical if he could stay healthy before the injury forget it we were at it we were chomping at the bit for this guy i mean we, we were, it was like it was like this was going to be our draft day fight like someone's going to throw a beer on someone me and pat are going to wrestle each other because <laughs> because i was afraid he was going to take and snipe me and vice versa um and it's coming to fruition the guy is an absolute stutter right now uh and he's just absolutely money the only thing is I know you mentioned the stats that you threw out. Those were the year stats, or you mentioned did you or did you break it down first half, second half? That's know. his. That's his full year line. Okay. Without the start today. Okay, so there are some issues in the second half, which I'm sure you've seen so far. Um, the ERA has gone up. Uh, the batting average against has gone way up. First half, two hundred eight. This right now, two fifty seven. Um, so he's definitely given up a lot more hits. He's becoming more hittable, and the velo is down. So my question now, the velo isn't down a lot. It's more so down on the four seamer, which whatever. Um, but it's also down on the sinker. It's down on the slider. Does that worry you at all? Uh, are you, or is it down by first half, second half? Well, no, the four seamer, like when he came out of the gate, he was pumping 92, six. Um, and yeah, and- this is my point because the velo kind of went way down and kind of ticked back up and now it has kind of plateaued right around 90. Yeah. From like 92 to 88 to like 90. Yeah. And so, no, I'm not concerned Okay. because the skills have been stable during that period of time. Um, pretty much across the board, the K's have stayed. It's strictly been what's gone on with the balls in play, um, and homers. Um, and it's just, to me, it's not concerning because now, He's come back up a little bit, and he's he's kind of stayed steady. And, I mean, that's your point for the second half. Yeah, he has been a little more hittable, but then he went out and he had that awesome start today. 
And again, the skills have been pretty steady. I mean, he's been a guy that's been over a strikeout per inning, pretty steady across the board in each and every month. Um, I, I mean, I, I think he's been easy money this year. Um, you know, I own him not just in our home league, but I own him in multiple spots. And he's just been a fantastic buy for the people that have owned him. And I mentioned this when I went on um, bench with Bubba. It's He's sort of interesting in that he had that outrageous start to the year. And when that when the velo dropped to like 88, there was a big movement to like sell him. And it almost depressed his value so much that it kind of created a buying opportunity because if you bought him at that point, even though he hasn't been as good as he was in April, um, he's still been one of the better starting pitchers from May forward. Um, he's probably been a guy that's got like a 3.5 or a 3.4 ERA since then mm. with 11 Ks per nine. Um, so, you know, if you bought him when everybody was panicking, you've still been rewarded. Um, the one thing I will say is I, I'm not concerned about him coming down the stretch at all because he came out today and I think he was throwing like 92 and eventually made his way down to 90. Um, but I, I think he's the velocity is starting to rebound even a little more for him. I think he's seeing another uptick. Um, so I'm not terribly worried about him uh, in the short term. I think what you see is what you get. I think he's going to be right around the same thing he's been now, which is a low three ZRA guy with a lot of K's um, and good ratios. And it, I, like it's, here's the thing, I I, I mentioned the four seamer before, like the velo being down, but it doesn't really matter because now it's his third pitch. You know what I mean? Like he could coast off the slider and the sinker, especially the slider. Um, that it doesn't really matter that much if the four seamer velo goes down. Um, and as far as the slider goes, he's generating twenty eight percent swing and miss right now. That is absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, the slider is just like dominant. But that brings me to my concern for next year, which is that's a lot of sliders. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of sliders. So I do worry about his ability to hold up going into next year. And I think he's going to come with a pretty exorbitant price tag. I don't I know. Fully expect him to be drafted as a top 20 starting pitcher. Next do you year. think that he'll, he'll get that even because like, what's the market for Corbin right now? Is it, is there really a strong market for Corbin? Is it, I feel like people are still afraid and will be afraid next well, year. Well, there's well, there's a difference, right? So right now people are still viewing him in the context of his velocity is down. He might be hiding an injury. But if people are still viewing him that way, I think it's time for people to move beyond that because we've we've been we've been hearing that for we've been hearing that since May. And he's not only pitched, but he's been effective. So if you're still worried about that, I don't think it's really valid to be worried about it. And I think as we get further and further removed from, oh, no, his velocity's down. Oh, no, his velocity's down. And if he finishes the year, it's kind of like Brantley finishes the year, right? And these are the results that we get. Are people still going to be worried about the velocity or are they going to turn around and say he doesn't need the velocity? I don't know. I think people are going to look at Tommy John and they're going to get scared. I don't think he'll be into the top 20. He, I think he'll be, he'll be close to it. Um, what, do you, what do you think his ADP will be next year? So you think like what overall like 
60 overall? I, I have a lot of trouble projecting ADPs for pitchers. Um, you know, your 20th starting pitcher is probably usually around, uh, I want to say... 85? 75 to okay. 80. Um, but, you know, it's better. I think I always think it's better to look at pitchers in terms of, you know, where you situate the pitchers amongst themselves. And, yeah, I think I would. I think I'd probably have them right around 20. And do you – Maybe you, a hair higher. So with the with the amount of sliders he's throwing and going to throw, are you taking him at that price or are you scared? I am never scared. <laughs> so you like <laughs> you have any? You have any, you have uh, any uh, trades? You're hurt until you're not hurt. Um, I mean, you're, you're not hurt until you're hurt. <laughs> Got that one backwards. Uh, no, I do not have any trades for Corbin, okay. unfortunately. But I do have some trades for this next guy, Miles Michaelis. Uh, 137.1 innings pitch, 97 Ks, 275 ERA, 1.08 whip, 3.88 K to walk. What do we make for Michaelis for the rest of this year and going into next year? Uh, well, first off, yeah, we were big fans of this guy going into the year. He was taking very high. Um, lizard King. Lizard, the Lizard King. The guy eats lizards for breakfast. <laughs> um, and there is no reason to think that he's going to decline at all. Um, he's got amazing command. He absolutely controls the corners of the plate. And that's how he gets his bread and butter. And the breaking stuff is really nice. I think next year we're going to see a, an increase as far as the Ks go. Um, he doesn't, they don't need to do that. They don't need to have him adjust at all because right now he's been min- maintaining a sub three ERA, which is rare these days. And he's doing it in the second half as well. It's carried over. In fact, he's been better in the second half with a 2.52 ERA. Uh, he is getting hit a little bit more. The two four, two five two should probably be up around like two point eight five, um, but still, it's still sub three, and a sub three pitcher in this climate is extremely valuable. Um, having said a minute ago that I think that the the K's will go up, I think he could sit somewhere around seven per nine, and if he gets to seven or anywhere above seven with the ratios and the ERA. And the ground ball rate and everything that's great about this guy, um, the fact that he gives up no home runs whatsoever, I am in love with him. <laughs> I'm going to take him so friggin' high next year. It's going to make people's heads spin. <laughs> um, I have I have very very high hopes for him. Um, and the rest of the way, I think there's like I said, I think there's going to be no decline this year. He's going to be strong. I, I would go out and try and buy him. It might be hard because the Nicholas owner probably the Nicholas owner probably took him high, and he's he's been great. So why sell him? Uh, he's going to ask for a lot next year. I think the ADP. Here's the thing: a guy that doesn't get this many keys and may finish the year with a sub six point one five K per nine, he may be like out of the top thirty starting pitchers. He, he it's possible. Like you look at a guy like Hendricks, who's been extremely successful as far as ERAs go, but hasn't lit up the K department. He's been, you know, overlooked year after year. Me and Pat are huge fans of him, and every year he's a value in drafts. I think we're going to see that with Mikolas next year, but even to a, to a higher extent because the K rate is so low. Um, so I think he'll be outside the top 30 around 110-ish overall. And at that price, I am, I'm taking him so much higher than that. And you, I'm telling you right now, bank on him getting more Ks because the breaking stuff is filthy. 
Yeah, Michaelis is certainly cash for owners based on his draft day cost. Um, after an amazing start, he settled in a bit, but he hasn't been above 3.67 on his ERA in any month. Wow, that's that's really impressive, honestly. In this but, day. you know, like Michaelis isn't just the ERA. The whip is very strong because he doesn't really walk anybody. Um the K's aren't there, but because he pitches a high volume of innings, it makes up for it a little bit. Um, and I do agree with Nick. I do think that there is some potential for K increase um, next year, which I think will offset some regression that he's going to experience in the home run rate. Um, and I also think that his Babbitt should be a little bit higher. He's got a 50% ground ball rate with a 22% line drive rate. Um so if you aggress the homers and the Babbitt, uh, you get a pitcher that's around a 3-5 ERA, which just still isn't bad. I mean, again, like Nick brought up Kyle Hendricks. I think that's a very good comp. I, I think that Hendricks is going to strike out a few more batters. Um, but I, I do think Michaelis is in that sort of class. Um, you know, I, I, I probably would have Michaelis right around starting pitcher 35. Um, if I was drafting today for next year, um, so I guess I'm a little bit lower than Nick, but I'm certainly bit. on board. Not much. Um, so I do have a couple of deals from Michaelis. Um, one is obvious. It's Michaelis for Ryan Healy. Michaelis for Ryan Healy? Who did that? I don't know, but it goes to show you, you know, the K's are an issue. So he's going, he is still maybe a little undervalued until you hear this next deal. Go ahead. Michaelis and D Gordon for Jacob DeGrom. Michaelis and D Gordon. Oh man. That's well, that's, that's 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 a roto deal. That's what that is. That's a roto league. Yeah. That's terrible. That's a very obvious Roto League because that's somebody that's selling to Grom yeah. to get steals and they feel very strong in their Ks. So they just want to keep the ratios with Michaelis. Ah, so good. Anything else? No, that's it. Those are the two I got. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, and w- one quick thing um, about Mikolas is that um, he is, is, a, is definitely a team comp guy too next year. So if you take a lot of high K, high ERA guys like the Robbie Rays or – I can't think of anyone else on the top. Uh, John Gray, great, great guy to actually add. Like Mikolas would be a perfect guy to add if you took Gray high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's he's definitely a team comp guy. All right, let's move to Andrew Heaney. 122.1 innings pitched. 116 Ks, 375 ERA, 1.13 whip, 3.63 K to walk. What do you make of Heaney for the rest of this year and going into next year? I told you guys. Try to tell you. Yeah, you did. You did call this one. I mean, come on. Sometimes, sometimes old Nikki is right. Um, I, it was a terrible comp. I caught, I comped him to Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the heat for that one. But my my point was that. But um, he's he was free on draft day. I mean, yeah, free, free, hundred percent. You know, him and Nate Carnes. I had. <laughs> By the way, if anyone sees Nate Carnes, please alert the press. We're gonna have to put Nate Carnes' face on on milk on milk cartons. <laughs> we can't. 
Yeah, so we can't find him. We we can't find this. His no Roto room. World page has been deleted. Yeah, it's really, it's really <laughs> insane. Um, so I had Haney and Carnes as two guys that were definitely on high on my watch list as very volatile. Um, but if one of them breaks out, it's gonna break out big. So I wanted to own. I I had both of them, and Carnes just disappeared. He went to the. Un- I think he's in the underworld right now. I think he's in Stranger Things. He's in the upside down. Yeah, he's in the he's in the upside down. That's what I meant. He's in the upside down. Um, and Haney is just absolutely rocking out right now. He looks great. Uh, the ERA is sub four, although he's very close to four. It's more like three point seven five is where he should be at. Um, the BABIP at two eight two. Uh, the base on balls per nine are great. The K per nine is healthy. I think he has upside um, going into next year. The whole question here is health. And with Haney, that's always going to be a big question mark. If he finishes the year healthy, that's a great sign for the guy because he's got really, really, really filthy stuff, absolutely nasty, filthy stuff. Um, if he's able to stay healthy for an entire season, he could be really deadly. Um the Anaheim Angels have Met syndrome with injuries, so that kind of scares me a little bit. But the guy is um, the guy is money when he's in. He needs to be owned when he's healthy. He's got uh, uh, swinging strike percentages on the changeup and the curve of fifteen percent on both, and he's got a nice sinker as his primary pitch. I, I absolutely love the guy, and um, next year he'll be under drafted again. He'll, his ADP will be deep. Probably around, I don't know, 190, maybe a little bit past 200, which will make him a great value on draft day. It's a good guy to take a shot on because this is what he's going to do if he's healthy. He's going to give you a decent ERA, but really good K, K totals, really good K to walk totals. And sky's the limit if he's able to stay healthy next year. He could be really special. Yeah, health hasn't been the only thing that's improved for Heaney. Uh, his astronomical homer issues from last year has regressed to a more reasonable 1.1 homers per nine, which is close to his career average. So I, I think that's pretty sustainable. Heaney was always touted, touted for his changeup, but it's his slider that's taken a big leap forward this year, giving him two plus pitches to go with above average control. I think health provided Heaney is what he is, which is like a high three ZRA guy with good whip, good control, and enough stuff to be above average from a fantasy perspective. Hmm. Now, he does have an injury floor, certainly, but you've heard my policy. You're not you're, – you're hurt until you're not, and his owner might be willing to cash out at a discount. And if that's the case, I would be willing to buy um, – so let's take a look at a couple of trades that I've got here for Heaney. Would you do Heaney for Wade Davis? No, I'm going to hold on to Heaney. Yeah, I'd rather have Heaney. Heaney for Yonder Alonso. Heaney. I think I'd rather have Heaney as well. Heaney or Felipe Vasquez? Um... Rest of the year this year, I'm yes. probably going Vasquez because I consider him an elite closer who got who fell into a little bit of a slump but has been absolutely lights out otherwise. Um, so I'm probably taking Vasquez, but it's very close. I think I'd rather have Vasquez as well. And Heaney versus Jonathan Villar. Oh, that's two ve- 
I mean, he's the VR is the uh, is the offensive version of Heaney. Um, <laughs> Shout out to VR is Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, they're, they're all Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> like that, do it. Um, I'm probably taking Heaney, although VR is just he's like, no matter how bad he is, he's just so good. I in a vacuum, I'm taking Heaney. If I needed the steals, I would take VR. Uh, because I think VR is going to just run and run and run and run down the stretch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike Fultonevich, 118.1 innings pitched, a 138 Ks, 3.04 ERA, 1.18 whip, and a 2.82 K to walk. What do you think about Fulty down the stretch and into next year? So I – I'm a huge fan of the guy. Uh, I was very outspoken about him uh, in spring training. I drafted him in our league, or I traded for him, one or the other. I think I traded for him. Um, yeah, so with with, uh, with Fulty, I think that going into next year, I, I'm going to project him for a little bit less on the K per nine. 10-5 is, is very high, and it's hard to maintain. Even though he throws really, he throws really hard, he's got the heat, he's got decent breaking stuff. I think it'll come down like to like a high nine K per nine, which is still really healthy. Um, and I think that the ERA will come up a little bit. Um, right now he's had a 271 bad, but last year, 324, 301 before that. I think next year what we'll see from him is like a 9.75-ish K per nine, uh, 3.90 ERA uh, with good ratios, so, you know, solid ratios. Um, but you know, he's made advances this year. He's not given up as many home runs compared to last year and especially the year before that. That was his big knock. Um, he's inducing more ground balls, which is a great sign as well. Uh, I think that going forward, he's a high-risk, high-reward guy because he could kind of go either way. He's kind of a mystery box type pitcher, uh, but I like him. I'm buying him, and I could see him next year going like 130-ish overall, which is kind of like where he belongs. Yeah, Fulton Emmerich is kind of a weird case. He's got the elite slider and good velocity on his fastball. But the fastball isn't a very good pitch. Um, his third pitch circles back and forth between a show-me curve and a show-me change. He's got the caper 9 over 10+, plus, but that's not supported by the swing and strike percentage. Um, his BABIP and his homers for 9 are below career averages. Despite an increase in the quality of contact allowed, the hard contact is up 5%. Um, that's to say nothing of the walks per nine, which is just below four. I think this is a career year for Fulty. Um, if he added a third pitch, a real third pitch, then I would say there's more upside to be had. But he lacks the command of his pitches to take the skill set to the next level. Uh, if you include regression and decay rate, based upon the fact that he doesn't generate swings and misses, regression in the BABIP, and regression in the homers, uh, you're looking at a pitcher that's slightly worse than what Nick outlined, in my opinion. You're looking at a guy that's going to be around an ERA of 4, 4.1, um, with some whip issues. Um, somewhere between what Jay Happ and Dylan Buddy have given you this year. So that's usable, but it's not elite. Um, if the window was still open right now to sell, I gladly would. Unfortunately, I do not have any trades that were um, applicable involving Fulty. So, um but I mean, in terms of next year, probably have faulty right around pitcher forty-five. I want to say, 
Yep. So I'm probably a little bit below where I think the market will have him. I expect the market to be pretty aggressive. Okay, let's take a look at some players on hot streaks. We've got Rugned Odor. Since June 15th, 316, 401, 618 in terms of triple slash, 12 homers, 36 runs, 26 RBIs, and 8 stolen bases. Hmm. What do you think of the hot streak for Odor, and what do you think of him down the stretch? Stay away from me, Demon. Stay away. Stay <laughs> um, I think it is what it is. I think it's a hot streak, and um, I'm not buying because, like I said, like we've said many times before, when he gets cold, he looks like Carlos Gomez at the plate. When he gets hot, he looks like Barry Bonds, <clears throat> and that's what's going on right now. When he does eventually cool down, he's a guy that will absolutely kill you in a week because he will go one for, you know, twenty-five. Um, so I'm staying away. I'm not buying the hot streak. I, uh, like he does have the power. I'm not knocking the power. He does have a little speed. Like that's that's fine and dandy. But he comes with really bad swing and miss, and I'm just not my kind of player. I don't buy. I don't. I don't hate on you for for taking the cautious approach. And I think you do have to be somewhat cautious here because he is a player that's been known to get very very hot and very very cold. Um, but I've also said this about Odor for a while now um, that. You know, he excelled at the age of like 21 at the major league level um, with very limited exposure to double A. And, and with that sort of talent and production at such a young age, there was always potential for him to adjust and tap into that talent further. Um, and that just might be what he's doing. Adore has seemingly fixed his largest glaring weakness, which was poor batted ball quality. His hard contact during the stretch is 48.2%. Well, and he shrunk his infield fly ball percentage to 9.8%. Um, and is actually supporting a real line drive rate at 22%. Um, these improvements have allowed him to improve on balls in play and tap into some of that power. Um, and this has been a season-long trend with respect to his patience. He, he's been walking more this year than he ever has before, um, which was always a weakness in his game. So I, I think that he's starting to understand the strike zone. I think he's starting to swing at better pitches and now might be getting better results as a result, uh, as a result of those changes. So I've got a couple of trades here, which you do Odor for Odubel Herrera. Um, would I trade Odor for Odubel? Would you trade Odubel for Odor? You know what? It's the end of the season. So if he continues the hot streak, it could be it could really pay off. So I'm gonna trade a little bit of the boring Herrera. Yeah, I'm, I might make that trade. Yeah, I think I would make that deal as well. Give me the hot guy. Yeah, give me the hot guy. Okay. What about Odor for Meta? Um Meta's been pretty bad lately, no? Um I think he's been really bad. Like, yeah, he's been really bad over the last like month. I'll pull up the stats right now. Um, which we has the issue, and that's the issue with Meta. Yeah, so he's got the last month uh, 5.48 ERA, um, but it's over a 1.26 whip, so it's probably not that justifiable. But um, with Meta, we've seen him kind of break down at the end of the year um, in multiple years. Um, I, I think I'm keeping. I think I'm keeping Meta. 
I think I'd rather have Mita too. Yeah. But if you asked me this a month ago, I'm laughing at you. I'm saying Mita. Like, yeah, exactly. Funny. Exactly. I totally agree. All right, so let's move to another second baseman, Jonathan Scope. Uh, I'm going to take this one first because yeah. we sort of had a funny incident with this. Um, I was trying to craft these as from June 15th just to get a good number of games beyond a month um, and to make up for some of the lost time at the All-Star break. So Scoop's line since June 15th was 264, 283, 517 triple slash, 11 homers, 22 runs, 24 RBIs. Um, so he was good, but it just wasn't blazing hot like I expected it to be, uh, particularly in the average department. Um so I revisited where the hot streak was, and, and I put him from July 1st. And it was nine homers, 15 runs, 19 RBIs, 314, 311, 595 triple slash. So I, I didn't make a mistake reading that. His average was higher than his OBP since July 1st. So <laughs> I was like, how is this possible? Yeah, I was dumb. Like, this is a... This is and this is like a like nearly a month and a half of, of like at bats, so like I'm thinking this has to be a glitch, but it's not. He had zero walks <laughs> from July first. He did not walk, so and the reason why the OBP ended up lower than the batting average was because of a sack fly, which counts against the OBP but not the batting average. So I mean, that whole exercise made my point about scope is. He swings and swings and swings and swings. He does not know how to take a walk. Um, there are stretches, you know, like I just pointed out, where he gets unbelievably hot and he hits some homers and the balls in play fall for hits. He's got a 345 Babbitt from July 1st um, forward. There's nothing overly spectacular about that profile from July 1st that indicates he's turned the corner. The line drive rate is good at 24%. That's 83rd among hitters with 50 plate appearances since July 1st, which is on the upper end, but it's not outstanding. Um, but he's still light at on a hard contact at 32.3% during that stretch. That's 139th. And he's still got infield fly ball issues at 14.3% during this stretch. Um, the plate discipline, as you can imagine, without a walk rate, since July 1st, is still a major problem. 45.3% O-swing in that time. That's actually worse than the season-long figure. The swing strike rate is also up from the season-long figure by two points. Um, I, I said this about Baez. I don't know why any pitcher would ever throw a scope of strike. Um, I've said it multiple times over the years that we've been doing this show and prior shows. Scope is not my type of player. I don't think he's a particularly good hitter. Um, I think 2017 represents his best case scenario. There was a lot of volume and he tapped into his power and hit 30 bombs. He certainly does have power, but it's, he's a very frustrating player to own because if the balls in play do not fall, it's just not a profile that's going to, you know, even be ownable in my opinion. Yeah, I don't have much to add except that, um, I mean, I completely agree. I did like Scoop uh, in 2016 when he was battling for the second baseman job on the Orioles. From what I saw, when he makes contact, it is very good contact. But 
when he's not getting lucky, it's ugly. Um, I apologize for the noise. Um, so, yeah, I want no part of him at all for all the reasons Pat said. I would love to hear some trades if you got them. I've only got one, and I know which way you're going to go because I know which way I'm going to go. Which goes to show, I mean, if the guy's on a good hot streak, you can sell him. Scoop and Lester for Cindergaard and oh, Matt stop. Olsen. It's not even close. Yeah, that's that's vetoable. Yeah, that's that's definitely a veto trade. All right, um, Matt Chapman. Since returning from the DL on July third, three eighteen, three ninety eight, five ninety eight, triple slash, five homers, twenty four runs, twelve RBIs, a steal, and an eight point nine percent walk rate and a nineteen point five percent K rate. What do you think about? Matt Chapman. Yeah, I really like Chapman. And did, was Chapman one of the guys you really liked, like preseason? Yeah, I thought he was a very good sleeper pre-draft. Yeah, he's like really, really intriguing because, like, even this year, like you said, like he's on this hot streak. I think there's so much potential for him power-wise, like next year. Uh, I thought it was going to be this year, but I think he's a guy who could, like, get to 30 home runs, and he could get there with a really healthy average because he doesn't strike out much and he walks a ton. Uh, he gets a boost in OBP leagues. And the A's, you got to own an A. If you want to win a championship, you got to own at least one A. Yeah, and he's hitting second. Like yeah. He's been hitting second now for a pretty decent stretch here. Yeah, and the, stat, the county stats are good. I mean, not in the RBI uh, department, but he's got 65 runs in the year, um, which paces him out for over 80. And, I mean, I like him better for next year. I think – I think he's a guy, like I said, who's going to get the 30 home runs. rest of the way, though, he'll be fine. I like him a lot. I would trade for him. Um, I, I like the player a lot. What do you think about this comp, Kyle Seager? It's it's fair, except Seager, at this point in his career, didn't he have the, the stolen base upside? Like, wasn't he stealing? He stole, like, 10 10- – ish bases at one point during his career. I'm talking about like Seager as like a high twenties power guy. That's going to hit 265, 270. I, I, I see Chapman's power being a little more, but it's a good comp because the average, the average is similar. Um, the walking K rates are similar. And it, Seager's also a guy that was pretty annually underappreciated. Oh, every single time. year. You, you owned him like 10 years in a row. And I think that Chapman has that same sort of deal. I mean, you brought up that Cincinnati uh, discount. I think there is, to an extent, an Oakland discount. Which is stupid. Yeah, it is stupid because that lineup is very, very good. You know what the exit velo is on Chapman right now? I do not. 90, I do know that he hits the ball hard. 93 miles per hour. Yeah, hard contact rate, 43%. Yeah, he's going to crush next Yeah. Year. He's he's a guy that I would definitely have my eyes on for next year. And if you could buy him cheap down the stretch here, I think he could pay some dividends. Yep. Hitting second in a lineup that's, you know, pretty loaded. Yep. All right, let's move to Cole Calhoun. Uh, since June oh 18th, God. after his DL stint, 281, 349, 623 triple Ooh. slash, 13 homers, 29 runs, 31 RBIs, two steals, and that does not include a homer that he had today. So I know what of Calhoun down the stretch. I, I think I know what happened. I think I know what happened, yeah. 
This is a this is like a Space Jam type of deal. I think that Mike Trout, <laughs> Mike Trout had a baseball in his hand, and Cole Calhoun touched the baseball, and he killed Mike Trout's wrist, and he took all his all his talents. Um, every time I look at the Angels game, every single time, Cole Calhoun hit a single RBI. Cole Calhoun hit a home run, three scored. Cole Calhoun, it's like insane. Um, it's like it's like the beginning of the year with Gorky's Hernandez. Every time I check the Giants game, Gorky's, it's just Gorky's, Gorky's, Gorky's. It was like Gorky's had his own TV. Yeah, set. Gorky's Hernandez had like a three-week stretch where he was just – the greatest player in baseball every time you would check the Giants game. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, with Cole Calhoun, so listen, what has, he, what has he been up until this point? Boring old Cole Calhoun. Every year you get to the point in the draft, you're like, who could I get to fill out my outfield? Ah, I guess I'll take Cole Calhoun. And he'll get me 20 home runs, a solid average, and maybe a couple of steals. But now he's showing signs of major, major power improvement. Um, I don't know how much of it is real. I, I, I'm not buying him going into next year as this big breakout player because of what he's done lately. But rest of the way, similar to Odor, I'm, I'm kind of buying the hot streak. Um, I, I would definitely stash him. We're in, we're in early August. This is where you want the hot streaks to start. So I, I, would, I would buy him for that because if this continues, he could – absolutely crush on your roster and provide you with really good stats at the end of the season. Well, the power surge has come on the back of a shift in his batted ball profile. He's made a concerted effort to lift the ball more, and that's also accompanied an increase in hard contact to well above 40%. So hitting the ball in the air, hitting the ball hard, leads to power. And it's also been good for his batting average because he's been absolutely terrible on ground balls. Um, and it's because he's gotten shifted a lot. So now he's hitting the ball over the shift as opposed to trying to go away from it and hitting the ball into the shift. Um, so some of the power surge has been his profile. Some has been a huge surge in his woman to fly ball rate, which will lead to some regression at some point. Um, you know, it could be, could come in the form of next year. He could keep this going. Um, if, if that occurs, I would still give him some credit for the changes that he's made and put him right around 16 or 17% in terms of homer to fly ball rate, which would put him basically in the 25 to 30 homer range um, with a 260 average. Now, his homers are actually pretty even down the middle in terms of splits, but Anaheim made some changes to their ballpark this year, and it looks – to be playing pretty well for lefties in the early going. Now, park factors aren't usually very sticky year to year um, and it takes a pretty significant sample size for them to you know, become stable. But it is something to keep an eye on because it's, I believe it was like the third best um, park for handedness in terms of home runs. So um, even if Calhoun starts to kind of, you know, level off, or see a decrease in his homer to fly ball rate, he might get a couple of cheapies um, at home, and uh, you know that offsets some of the regression. So I agree with Nick, though. I mean, you know, I've scooped him up now um, where I could. 
I'm riding the hot streak and, you know, it gives me, you know, a week of over fours. I can cut them and there's no cost. So that's the best part. Okay, Gregory Polanco, since June 15th, 306, 382, 639, 11 homers, 27 runs, 30 RBIs, 4 steals. What do you think of Gregory Polanco, Nick? I know you're not a big fan of him overall. No, I'm, I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, and listen, bottom line is he made a swing change, and we're, we're seeing now – uh, the power and what he could do as as far as power goes in the future. And I think that next year he's a guy that could hit 30. The way he's crushing the ball right now is ridiculous. I mean, when you have a 20-degree launch angle, your exit velo doesn't have to be 91, 92. It could be 87, and you can make a living off of that with that with a 20 when, when you're swinging the ball uh, for the fences every time at the plate. The issue is, is now that he's – you know, undergone this swing change, he is making less contact inside the zone. And the batting average, I think, has a real floor going forward if he continues to swing the bat like this. Um, I mean, I know you love the guy, and he's been a 250-ish hitter pretty much his entire career. But when he was coming up, like 20, 2015, 2016, what I thought from, from, from Polanco was that he was going to be this, like, 2020 guy with a really high upside as far as average goes because he was a good contact hitter. He was a good disciplined hitter. Uh, he had patience. He didn't strike out much. And he's completely different player at the plate now. It's all changed. Uh, now I think he's got a, um, a real floor as far as batting average goes. He's got a really high upside as far as power goes. And the speed has come way, way, way down. I don't know if he's going to steal that many bases anymore. So I really – he's kind of just a mystery to me. Um, I, I wouldn't know where to rank him as far as if he goes next year. It would definitely be a lot lower than you. But the rest of the way, as far as Team Comp goes, if you could use the power, I definitely believe that it's here to stay, and I would buy him for that. Um, but if you are low in batting average, if you are a team that struggles in, in, in batting average week to week, then I would kind of be careful – but I like him the rest of the way for the power and the upside as far as that goes. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Blanco has been sort of frustrating for me because, you know, I owned him um, in our home league and I had to let him go uh, when he started to lose playing time to Meadows um, just due to my roster construction at that time. And now, you know, the breakout is coming because I saw the swing change earlier in the year. And I think I talked about it, um, you know, that he was elevating the ball more and it could lead to more power. And now we're seeing it. But, you know, you really hit the nail on the head in terms of this is a completely different player. So you can't look at him anymore like a player that could hit, you know, 280, 2020 because he's not going to hit 280 with this batted ball profile. Um, there's too many fly balls, um, even with a strikeout rate that's not bad. So I think he's kind of like what we envision Cole Calhoun to be, which is like a 260, 250 hitter with like 25 bombs, and Polanco can steal 10 bases. 
Um, so he's a little better than Calhoun in that sense. Um, but I don't think that there's much beyond that. And there is more floor to that batting average. I mean, you could very easily with this, with the, with, with this high volume of fly balls, you could hit, you know, like a 235, 240 over the course of the full season. And it wouldn't, um, you know, stun you. Um, so he's, he's, he's a player that I would buy down the stretch only if I needed, um, some power upside, um, mixed in with a little bit of speed. Um, I would, if I'm concerned about my batting average, as you indicated, Nick, um, I would probably look elsewhere because I don't think that there's going to be much upside here, um, in the short term or in the long term for batting average. Okay, let's move it to a couple of pitchers. Uh, first up, John Gray. Since he was called back up, four starts, 29 innings pitched, 25K, seven walks, 1.52 ERA. What do you make of John Gray for the rest of this year? All right, so he's. do you have his BABIP since he's come back up? One point, uh, point one, six, two, point one, six, two. Yes. All right. So we're going to see some regression. Get, just strap yourselves in, but it's fine. Um, because gray, um, you didn't draft him for a, a sub three ERA. You drafted him for the K's, the, the ratios and a sub four ERA. I would say I, me, I had him at like what? Three, two, five. Um, which is saying a lot for a guy in course. Um, but listen, what I, bottom line is this gray is definitely a buy. I went out and bought, I, I drafted gray. I traded him. <laughs> I traded him. Listen, when I make trades, I come out a winner. I traded him for like the world and I got, I just have had amazing deals. So I waited, I waited until he struggled a little more. I went and bought him back again. And now it's, it's been awesome. He's been absolutely lights out over the last month. It's going to continue, but he's going to give up more runs as the year goes on. I think that. We're going to see the K's go up a little bit. I know it's high in the year, but over the last month, the K's have gone down a lot. Um, so going forward, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I view Gray as a future top 10 starting pitcher in all of baseball. He's a free agent next year. If he signs with a team, like, let's just say, let's throw the Mets out there. Let's just say the Mets. He could be a top Are you five. sure about that? What? That he's a free agent? Yeah, this is his last year of his contract right now. Twenty. Wait, is it? I think he's pre-arb, though. Till what? Till when? You know? Uh, let me see. Let me see if I can – I can get the list of free well, agents for I, next well, year. Listen, regardless, my point is this. Um, if, he, if, if Gray were to go to the team, he's a top five pitcher, in my opinion. Possibly just sky is the limit for him. Um, but as of right now in cores, still, I would go buy him. The breaking stuff is absolutely off the charts. He's got great control, great command. Um, he's able to go the distance. He's, um, he's efficient in games. He's able to go deep into ball games. He's going to get you wins. He's on a good team. He'll get you quality starts if you're in your quality start league. Uh, I, I like him a lot going forward. The first half was obviously a, a very, very unlucky for, for, for most of it. Um, there were some bad signs, but the BABIP was crazy and he was giving up a lot of home runs. The rest of the way, he's money. Go out and buy him. Go out and buy him now. He's going to be awesome. 
Yeah, uh, Gray enters arbitration starting next year. So okay. he's under contract through 2021. Okay. Um, we were all on board with John Gray as a buy low, um, and he's had a really nice stretch here, uh, but it's not perfect. The Ks are down. The, ba- the BABIP is unsustainable, and thus the ERA is unsustainable. Um, and the bat ball profile is not all that encouraging. He's still giving up 38.7% hard contact. So some of the same issues that sort of led to his rough stretch are still there. It's just for as much bad luck as he had before, he's getting good luck now. Um, the good news is, though, he's going um, to gain some on the case. Uh, the swing strike rate at 13.7%. Um, that should lead to a, a K rate that's well above a strikeout per inning and hasn't been um, since he's come back up. To me, I think I view Gray as a low force ERA guy, um, somewhere between a low force to high threes um, with strong K numbers. He's obviously going to have the occasional blow up. Um, I'm willing to buy him down the stretch here, but I would certainly try and play the matchups to the best of my ability. I wouldn't start him, for instance, at home against L.A. Um, but, you know, it, it is walking a fine line with him. Um, so I've got a few trades here. Uh, let me know what you think. John Gray for Kevin Gossman. No, Gray. It's not I'd great. rather have Gray, yeah. All right, um, this is an interesting one because a couple of guys we talked about tonight. John Gray, Eugenio Suarez, and Freddie Peralta for Luis Severino. And Severino's been cold. I'm taking the Suarez side. I think I'm taking the Suarez side as well. Severino hasn't just been cold. Let me just tell you right now, there's a problem. <laughs> there's a problem. And he's been he's been awful. He's getting destroyed every time he goes out. Okay. You have anything to any insight on that as a as an impromptu segment? Who? I know that you're watching. I mean, you watch Severino, so yeah. I mean, listen, he's he's getting absolutely destroyed. Like people aren't just hitting him; they're absolutely destroying him, and it's the worst stretch of his entire career. And um, I just don't trust him right now. Every every time he goes out, he looks rattled by the third inning. Well, what do you think the issue is? Is it like a man thing? Is it a I don't know. It's just been, thing. No, is it... I, honestly, I haven't seen a major change in his approach. Like, and it's it's not a command thing because he's he's not walking guys like crazy out of nowhere. I don't know if he's just not. Hit, maybe he's not hitting his spots. That's what I mean. Is he not hitting his spots it, in the zone? To me, listen, is he, I, is he Michael Pinating it. No, like, look, my my best friend Chris is is diehard Yankee fan as well. So, like, we every every time he pitches, like, we talk about it afterwards. And I'm like, he doesn't look that bad. I don't understand what's happening. And Chris is just like, yeah, I don't know either. I think he like he said it. It's like I think he's just missing his spots. And I said it doesn't look like it to me though. I mean, everything is like I'm. I when I watch games, you probably do it too. I call pitches before they're thrown. Maybe he's tipping his pitches. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just. Listen, well, if he's not I, missing his spots, that, that that's like the only logical explanation is. I don't know. He must be doing something it's, where he's tipping the, the, like, like, like the velo is fine. The breaking stuff is fine. 
But like that game at Tampa Bay, I remember like watching it and I'm just like, they're, they're crushing every, even the, even the foul balls are just crushed. They're just destroying him. So I, I'm worried. I, whatever it is, I'm worried. I don't know what it is yet. I, I'm sorry. I can't give better analysis, but he does not. He just, I'm just worried. All right. Weird. Last guy, Zach Godley. Mm. Since June 15th, nine games started, 59.2 innings pitch, 67 Ks, 25 walks, 3.62 ERA, 2.85 FIP, 3.60 XFIP. What do we make of Zach Godley for the rest of the year? I don't know. I don't know. This is I don't know how he's doing it. I mean, listen, the curveball is a really good pitch. Um, but we, as we've said on previous pods, the velo is down, and it makes him a really dangerous pitcher to own. Um, but the, the curveball command hasn't been great. Like, yeah. Like, he just doesn't look like he's got the same grasp of the pitch that he's had, that he had last year. You know, like, even during this good stretch, I feel like he's sort of fighting himself. Yeah, well, listen, it's still generating a good swing and miss at 20%. Um, but, like, his other pitch, like, the sinker and the cutter are whatever. The cutter is terrible. Yeah, like, he needs to throw the changeup more. I don't know why he doesn't. Like, it's been successful for him um, in flashes this year and last. Um, but I, I worry about him. First of all, he's the ugliest pitcher to watch throw the ball. The way he... His mechanics are just disgusting. Yeah, um, that's not but, after the mechanics. Yeah, that. he's really hard to watch. Um, but bottom line is, I, I, yeah, I could totally see him regressing and getting blown up the rest of the way. I, I just – I don't think the stuff is that good. The curve is good, but it's not that good to coast off of by itself for the rest of the way. With the velo being down and the curve to me being a, a very good pitch, I'm not going to completely say it's say – it's, a mediocre pitch. It's a very good pitch, but you can't coast off of one very good pitch. You got to have more of an arsenal, um, and he doesn't have it. If if the curve was generating like twenty eight percent swing and miss, like something like like Corbin slider, then different story. But it's not that good. So uh, I'm out on Golly. I would sell him now. I already sold him. I sort of view uh, what I expect from Godley is very similar to what I expect from Gray the rest of the way. Um, which is sort of like high threes, low fours, ERA, um, high whip for a different reason. I think the walks will be more of a problem for Godley than Gray. I think Gray is going to give up more hits. Um, but Gray definitely has more upside, um, in my opinion, although, you know, Godley's gone on this prolonged stretch. I think that Gray's got more potential to be um, – you know, a, a sort of a lead option down the stretch where I think Godley, um, you know, he's sort of capped. I, I just don't think he's got enough to enough in his arsenal to, to excel at the sort of level that Gray can. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks so much for listening guys. Uh, Nick, let them know where they cannot find you. <laughs> You can go on Twitter and search really hard, and you can, you can probably pull my name up at Nick FWO. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to posting once a year, and that post <laughs> is going to be the best post ever.
And you can find me at Patrick FWO. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on. I'm, I'm hanging out. I'll uh, answer your questions if you've got any. And uh, you can also find our buddy Joe at Joe F. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.